This is Spilled Ink. Probably the furthest outside my comfort zone as a young artist that was pushed. There was a really cool guy, he was a rapper from LA, and he wanted Jesus tattooed on his torso. And he wanted Jesus to look like Bob Marley. <laughs> and he wanted it really realistic. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Spilled Ink. I'm Mike Maldonado. I'm here with Laura Boucher. She's been a tattoo artist for the past five years, and she is originally from Buffalo, but she is tattooing out of Bushwick as we speak. What's the name of your shop? Uh, it's Secret Fire Tattoo. Secret Fire. Like a I'm secret. sorry. Yes. Secret. <laughs> I was actually looking at your work, and I really like it. I just want to know how you got into tattooing because I see that it's a lot of very visual art that you draw from. So why don't you tell me how you got started? Yeah, I was actually, uh, I focused on painting for most of my life. So before I began tattooing, I was predominantly painting kind of surreal, like figurative oil paintings. Okay. And I was really lucky to be able to support myself with that. But I had always had tattooing in the back of my mind, and I really appreciated it as an art form. And I had been collecting myself already, you know, as, as soon as I could, since I was 18. I just went for all the worst, I the worst the tattoos <laughs> I could get. And um, yeah, I just, I was at a point where I was kind of questioning, you know, my painting work and is it really something I wanted to do for money. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to be the right moment I was offered a tattoo apprenticeship. And I think all of the, focus I've spent on painting and watching the way paint moves, that that really affected the way that I tattoo. Very cool. In Buffalo, was there a lot of museums that you visited where you drew from that surrealism? Yeah, I, you know, to be honest, I, you know, Buffalo's pretty small. Mm -hmm. You'll see. It's kind Mm -hmm. of, there's some museums and there isn't, there's really nice support for artists there. But I mean, for me, I, I started drawing like at a really really young age my mom and my grandmother are both artists and I realized pretty quickly that I received a lot of attention if I drew pictures and I think that I you know that just I was just ahead of the other kids just because I did it so much and then I was just the focus of you were a ham yeah (laughs) I mean I just loved I I loved it I think that you know just as a kid just being praised for it and then it became you know it evolved into something just really necessary you know just became therapeutic you know my outlet it's like an angsty teenager yeah, I just always did it. I think my parents probably kicked themselves, you mm-hmm. know, they don't really love tattoos. And I think it was a, a difficult thing for them to, you know, get over even me pursuing a life as a painter. But I, yeah, I think it just was something I, I always did. And of course, you know, I went to college in Buffalo. So I, you know, I did go to the museums we had there and I was right. influenced by my peers. The was there any point are, you remember where you like, I want a tattoo. And like, that was like the turning point almost. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you know what's funny? Like when I was little, my parents, you know, they weren't the kind of parents that just, you know, bought me things. They would say, you know, okay, we think that this is something that the thing I remember when I really, when I look back, I think, okay, yeah, it makes sense. I'm a tattoo artist. I wanted a 
doodle bear so badly, which is this little teddy bear that comes with markers and you draw on the bear. And I thought, wow, this is so cool. My parents like, no. (laughs) So what I did, I went out and I set up a little stand on the corner and I did face painting because I was a good artist. And then, you know, because I lived in kind of a quiet neighborhood, I had to step it up. And so I did door-to-door face painting. I, as a kid, knocked on all my neighbor's doors asking if I can paint, like mostly their adult faces. (laughs) (laughs) So I think about this, like I liked drawing on people. I think even, you know, as a kid, like I was in like the age where, you know, those gel pens. I don't mm-hmm. know how old you are, but I assume. Yeah. I don't know if that was even a thing here. But in Buffalo, like, we loved those gel pens. Mm-hmm. I, we used to do, like, the scratch arts on the, uh, the okay. there's like a chalkboard. Yeah, those are cool, too. And, like, rainbows underneath. Right. Yeah, same kind of thing. But we, I would take the gel pens and I drew on all my friends, you know. I, I think I, I wasn't, you know, at the time connecting it to tattoos, but... I still like wow. doodling on people. Well, it's so really sense. brave going door to door asking people to yeah, draw on their remember that. Like, <laughs> it was it's that. Yeah, I gotta <laughs> harness that still. <laughs> so, what was your apprenticeship like? You mentioned that you were asked to be an apprentice. Yeah. Did an artist just like your work, and they yeah. approached you? What yeah, was that story like? I can thank Instagram for that. Actually, I, I was um, posting my paintings online, and it was actually pretty crazy that I could sell them on Instagram occasionally and I was approached by a guy that uh, he moved here from California and he was just tattooing by himself in a small shop in Manhattan and he made it really appealing I again I had been considering it in the back of my head but I just I never you know really had that push to go out and you know market myself to tattoo artists and ask for an apprenticeship I just kept painting and and he made it um, pretty appealing that he was allowing me to be flexible. I was still able to finish my painting commissions and just kind of come in when I could. And it seemed like a good situation. So I yeah. thought I had nothing really to lose. That's actually a really lucky way to go about it because a lot of people, they yeah. bang on a lot of right. doors. Right, I know. They get turned down. I know, I do. I was I was lucky in that sense. That's the beauty easy. of social media, though. <laughs> I know, right. it's, it's really, it's it's scary. Mm-hmm. I have a lot to be thankful for, but it, it's still, it's, it's such a weird thing to mm-hmm. me still. So how long did you apprentice for? Um, It's hard to say. It wasn't that long, actually. I mean, I, I stayed at that shop for three years. I'm not very good with time, but... I, yeah, my, the apprenticeship itself is pretty fast. I mean, I, I had already, you know, had a a good handle on rendering just from, you know, a lifetime of studying, Mm -hmm. you know, the painting work I had done. So it was just, you know, using, learning about the tattoo machine. And I think a lot of, you know, the cleanliness stuff came pretty naturally and like a little bit naturally yeah. neurotic. So when it comes to that stuff, so cross-contamination was, you know, I'm already a yeah. person with the hand sanitizer. I feel like painters too have an easier time transitioning because it's a lot of layering and, and it's very similar yeah. to the technique of yeah. painting. Yeah, I could see that. And I, you know, I, I was learning at the time where watercolor tattoos were becoming popular. So for me, it was much more difficult to... Uh, get a handle on line work. This just wasn't how my hand as a painter right. was trained. So doing color work and shading and things that were, you know, kind of fluid, uh, that that was, wasn't was too difficult. And uh, people were excited to get tattoos like that. 
at that moment. So I, I didn't even plan on doing tattoos that necessarily were watercolor. It just mm-hmm. happened, and it was where my strength yeah. lies. I think it's a good blending of styles, too, because you have that uh, that abstract mixed yeah. with the watercolor, which is very appealing, especially in the area that you're in, that area of Brooklyn, where it's a lot of minimalism and it's a lot of fine line work. Right, yeah. I think you blend that really well, which kind of offers something a little unique because yeah. a lot of artists do a lot of the same stuff in Bushwick or Williamsburg. Right. You know? Yeah, I try not to look at anybody's work. I, I kind of naturally am someone who's like a little bit uh, more reserved. And I, yeah, there's just, there are so many amazing artists and I, I don't want even subconsciously to be affected by somebody else. But I think that my style has evolved where now, you know, I focus a lot on the linear aspects of it, um, trying to do just selective color with, you know, that has more of an impact instead of just pure color. But my line work, it is, it's still organic. Like I'm not the person you want to go to for anything sacred geometry or even your name. My handwriting's terrible. So I, <laughs> I am not somebody who you want to get any text from. And I, yeah, my, I just, I like really organic tattoos. You know, I, just, I don't know if I would call my current work watercolor. I think uh, that has kind of come, become like a blanket term for mm-hmm. anything that's more fluid outside of the lines. But I never painted watercolor. So it's kind of funny. I struggle with watercolor a lot, actually, as a medium. Yeah, you know, I always did oil, but I think of tattooing in that style. You know, as you said, there's definitely connections to painting, but, and especially just understanding how a paint moves. But I I see it more like almost like doing a colored pencil drawing of a painting, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's interesting. Um, But I I like just organic, um, you know, I do a lot of, floral nature stuff right things that you know have roots or kind of abstracted parts color that's kind of fades in and out so I think uh, I like that you can kind of just bend it to flow with the body in a nice way and it can kind of taper off and fade in and out instead of just kind of sitting on top of the skin do you usually just design your pieces first or do you Obviously, you work with the client, but are they your designs and then you post them up and then whoever wants to get it? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. How do you go from design to actually tattooing it onto somebody? It's a little bit of both. I mean, I always tell myself that I I want to spend more time doing designs for people to choose from. But I just say, <laughs> I always kind of slack on that. My books are actually opening, yeah, on Wednesday. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do Flash. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, it's in two days. Um, so I do a kind of a mix. I really enjoy creating custom pieces too, but that, that's challenging, especially because I, you know, sometimes my work can be a little bit more on the abstract side. So, you know, when I'm sitting down with a client, you know, the the way that we both might, you know, describe the same thing, you know, we use different words and it's usually someone I've never met before. So just in a short time, we have to come to, you know, an understanding and that can be difficult. So I I ask people to send me like anything that would help me get to know them better when I'm designing a custom piece, like visual representations of things that they connect with. So it's, that's fun. It's, it's, it's obviously challenging. I would say so. Yeah, it's a combination. I think it, I, I would like to do more because that's easy. It's clear. They they know that they want that piece. They connect with it for whatever reason they do. And there's nothing, there isn't that understanding, you know, it's just, it's, it is what it is. Right. 
yeah, so I think it's it's a combination. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's hard dealing with um, you know customers who don't understand certain aspects that go into it in the composition or like the body. So it's like hard to explain that. Was there like a culture shock almost coming from Buffalo and having to deal with the typical New Yorker that's not so much upstate? Um, I don't know. It's hard to remember. I, I never did any tattooing up there. You know, I, I left Buffalo. I think I was twenty two. Um, so it's been ten years for me now. Um, so I'm trying to remember. I think maybe when I first moved here, it was a little bit shocking. Just people are pretty direct, mm-hmm. and <laughs> Buffalo, there's a lot of kindness. You know, I think that uh, there's kindness here too. But I think uh, it's just a different pace. People take more time to be kind. We're here. Um, it's, Everybody's got somewhere to be, yeah, something to do. Yeah, <laughs> but I actually i I tattoo so many people from other places. Um, I don't really, you know, our studio. I, I opened it with my wife. And she's an Italian tattoo artist, and I should have had to use both in here. I know, <laughs> I, I know. know she wanted to come. <laughs> yeah, no, she she's an amazing artist. Yeah, so our our shop, you know, people don't really walk in. Like I said, it's called Secret Fires, so. It is. It's kind of a secret. Mm-hmm. Like you don't really know that it's a tattoo shop. Um, I manage it that you spoke with. She's an amazing um, natural dyer quilter. So she sews. So people come to the shop wow. um, and they see her making quilts before they see us tattooing. And they're kind of like, what is this? What do you do here? We don't have a sign or anything. So people, when they come, um, you know, we're really just by appointment. So it's just people That's that really have found cool. our work and they come to see us. And it's a lot of people that are traveling Probably like half. A yeah, it is. It's kind of weird. Um, so probably half of the the people I tattoo are from other places. So I, I do get the New York mm-hmm. experience, but also you know we do tattoo people from upstate, sometimes other countries. What's like the most interesting tattoo that you've done on the most interesting person anywhere mm. in the world? If you mm, can remember, it's hard. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. No, it's hard. I'm I thinking. like to hear people's stories too. Yeah, coming from all over the world, especially. Yeah, there was. A woman from uh, Tanz. How do you say that? Tanzania. Yeah, Tanzania. She came. She got a tattoo. This was a moment where my wife, her name is Hira Lupe. Hira and I worked on a piece together. Since she was from so far away, she was pretty ambitious. We did a piece, too, like matching pieces on her calves. Where Hira does really beautiful black work. It happens sometimes where she does the linear portion okay. of the tattoo, and I add color. Um, and so that's what was happening where we did tattoos where Hira did the line work and I was coloring. So as she was doing, you know, she did the line work on one calf, I colored it while she was doing the line work on the other half. So it was a really long, uncomfortable day for this woman, <laughs> I think, <laughs> so getting so. tattooed by two. And it was big. I mean, it took up both of her, the back of her calves, but um, she was really strong. And that was probably the furthest someone came to get tattooed. And it is, that was, um, I think the first time I did a collaboration with Hira. So that was pretty interesting. Is her style mostly geometric work? No, it's like, um, hers is still, she can do geometric stuff. I mean, she has a very steady hand. Um, She like, it's just something that looks like etching. Um, she's getting into things that look a little bit more Japanese, kind of folky. Like they're they're dark and like they're magical a little bit. Like there's just something they're not like even if she just does say something botanical, like it's just there's something 
more than just it's not just a flower. There's something right. dark. Um, there's she gives her work a, a depth that I don't. I just don't really know how to describe her. like a particular style. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's very cool. Maybe next season. That's cool. Actually, I'm opening my own shop soon too oh, with my wife. Thank you. And uh, I actually love to hear people when they first started their own thing because you said you tattooed for a little bit mm -hmm. under somebody and then you met your wife and then you both opened this together. How did that happen? Were you both tattooing together and then you yeah. decided to open it up? Or? Yeah, so here I came um, to America and worked at the shop that I was learning to tattoo at. So we um, met as co-workers and then we became friends and then became romantically involved. Um, you know, and the, the experience that we had at that first shop that I learned, you know, it didn't didn't turn out to be great. The guy that I worked with, I'm so thankful, you know, that I was able to learn to tattoo from him. And I met my wife at that shop and met other great artists, but it just became like not so great, which unfortunately, you know, it seems to be kind of a common story. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that we really bonded, you know, over that experience at that shop. And I Shared think- trauma. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really, it was different. We had totally different kinds of trauma from it but we you know I think that I learned a lot and I think that we it just really drove us to create a space that was comfortable for everybody for our clients because you know we found ourselves you know the shop owner it kind of became an obstacle in our day for us to make our clients comfortable to tattoo it just was kind of like, uh, like it would just be so nice to just be able to just tattoo and not yeah. have to deal with somebody who's kind of unstable and have to you know it was his space he was in control you know to some extent and I could make my clients as comfortable as I could but then I you know I, when somebody comes in and starts having an insensitive conversation or you know something that kind of borderlines on harassment of me and my clients mm -hmm. sometimes like it's just how, how it's how tough you, having yeah. attention in the room uh, right especially and, when you're trying to make someone as comfortable yeah, as possible it's already kind of you know an anxious moment for people right. and on top of that to have somebody who's behaving poorly i know so i think that that really was what drove us we learned from that you know and we went we worked at another shop together after that one and it was a better experience but there's still clear that it just wasn't a representation of us and the right. kind of work the kind of space that we'd like to create so um you know it, it just got to the point where we felt like we've learned enough we're really lucky to have the following that we have you know people that were supportive of us opening our little space um we met danielle at the the last shop that we worked at together and it just it just happened. Everything just was so easy, which really felt Good. like it was the right yeah. moment. Everything just fell into place. Yeah, it's very unfortunate when you have to work in an environment like that. I had a similar story, too, with me and my brother, with the person before we opened our shop. The ego that runs rampant in this business just <sighs> comes out. And obviously, chauvinistic ways. And this guy was just, he was a, a douche, excuse me. No, <laughs> sorry to hear that. But yeah, it's, really it's almost like, it's a similar thing because... Me, I grew up with a certain respect for people, especially in the neighborhood that I grew up in. He wasn't from my neighborhood. And like, these were my friends and like family who would come in. And it was just one of those things where you're just like, how did you get this far? <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. know how to act. I know, but that's kind of what I, I realized when I was there that, you know, that shop um, that I, the first one where I learned, I realized that 
it really felt like, okay, this is somebody who opened a shop, not because, you know, he was just kind of the reasons that we're talking about. It really felt like this is somebody that nobody can really work with this guy. Mm -hmm. So he kind of had to create his own space because I don't think any, you know, he's not, I can't really picture him, you know, succeeding in like a healthy environment. So he kind of had to create his own kind of. Listen, your art could only take you so far. A lot of people come for the experience and how you make them feel. They won't remember everything you said, but they'll yeah. remember how you made them feel. Yeah, you know, at the end of the so day. important. There's a lot of that in our business, unfortunately. But, yeah, you know, like you said, you try and just do your own thing, put your head down, do good work, and then people will come back to you. They appreciate that. Yeah. And from your following, I could see that people do appreciate that. It's pretty nice because I do. I, I have clients that, you know, are, have been getting tattooed by here or I, you know, from the beginning. So they they saw us throughout all of these stages, you know, it, I mean, it's five years, but it seems like much longer than that. <laughs> so much has happened. But, you know, they've seen us, our, you know, as individual artists, how we've grown and us as a couple. And to have these people, you know, you probably find something similar when you open your shop, especially with your wife. It, it feels like people are now, like they're coming into our home. You know, like it's just, it's just the two of us and the occasional guest artist and, you know, we created the space in a way that feels like us. A lot of times our dogs are in the shop, for really? better or worse. <laughs> and, you know, it just, it's it's like our home. And we, we we treat people like that, you know, that they're, like you said, they're, they're part of your family. They, mm-hmm. they really, the the way that we connect in that moment, it, it just, it's really, it is important. Because yeah. it's true, that is something you know, like for us as artists, we we see all of these people, you know, and we connect with them and very much in the moment with them. And I love hearing people's stories and, you know, but for people getting tattooed, they look at that piece and they, they just have that one moment with you that, you know, or, or if they come back for multiple tattoos more, but mm-hmm. they look at it and they can feel the space that you created, the conversation the way that you touch them, the way you talk to them, the way that you listen to their ideas. I mean, it's just, there's so much that goes into it. So I think it's really important, the space that you create. Of course. And that's what will make people successful is that experience. And that's really all people want at the end of the day. They don't want to be made to feel uncomfortable. But you sound like you like to avoid drama, which I respect. Yeah. (laughs) But sometimes it finds you no matter what. So. Was there any like story from, not necessarily from your old shop, but something you had to deal with when you were first starting out? I, you you know, the way that I am, I'm pretty stubborn and I'm really, I'm not afraid to say no. You know, from the very beginning, if there's somebody that I I don't feel like I can understand them or that we are connecting with, or I just feel uncomfortable for any reason, I say, you know what, this is just, I'm sorry, I just don't think I'm the right artist for you. There's so many wonderful artists in this city, and I just, I, I don't think we're a good fit. And I and I say, you know, it's better just not to do this tattoo. So I, I haven't, I have had drama as a result of that, mm-hmm. me expressing that to them. You know, then people say that they try to convince me after that. And I, I just think it's better if I if I don't feel completely comfortable that I just not to do it or to postpone it um but I guess before I was able to say no it just was the very very beginning where that guy that I worked with he was kind of just screening the work that I was getting and 
He, you know, was somebody I, I mentioned that my apprenticeship was pretty brief, and I think that was um, partially due to the fact that he just wanted to make money. Mm-hmm. He wanted to get things going. People wanted to get tattooed by me, um, you know, because people, especially that have been following my paintings and right. had the idea that I'd be able to tattoo just like I painted <laughs> right away, which is not the case. Um, but yeah, so he he said yes to some things that I just would never do. I didn't feel comfortable completely, and I did my best, um, and luckily everything was okay. But I think probably the furthest outside my comfort zone as a young artist I was pushed was there was a really cool guy. He was a rapper from L.A., and he wanted Jesus tattooed on his torso Um, And, you know, to tattoo someone's stomach is a difficult Mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. Chest and stomach, it's painful and it's soft and it's not a spot that loves to be tattooed. So he wanted Jesus tattooed and he already had a huge cross on his chest. So even the placement was difficult. And he wanted Jesus to look like Bob Marley. <laughs> and, you know, for me, <laughs> and he wanted it really realistic. And, you know, so I needed a, I Bob needed Marley a, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, to some people he might be. And, you know, it's beautiful, the idea and the image. But, you know, I, I'm not very religious, so I haven't spent a lot of time looking at representations of Jesus, and there weren't a lot that looked like Bob Marley. <laughs> so it was kind of cool to get to create something different. But, yeah, so it happened that, um, you know, that guy that I worked with, he was tattooing this beautiful man that day. And, I, you know, he had a beard and just a beautiful black man. And I said, can I take your picture? <laughs> and I used him. Yeah, and I made him Jesus. And I, so this guy came in and I, I tattooed that beautiful client on his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> and it was hard because, you know, it just, it took me, you know, as a young artist, you tattoo a little slower and especially somebody's mm-hmm. stomach and it's a painful spot. So that poor guy, I mean, he took it. We just, we spent a lot of time together making that Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, what was funny is that guy, he came into the shop, um, the guy who I referenced and you know, he asked for that picture I drew and he gave it to his mother, made That's his mom right. very happy to see him <laughs> <laughs> looking like Jesus. Um, but yeah, this guy in LA has this other guy in New York tattooed on his That's stomach, so funny. which is kind of funny. <laughs> How long did it have taken you? I don't know, too long. I got my stomach <laughs> tattooed not too long ago and it was terrible. And I thought about that poor guy and everybody mm-hmm. else I tattooed on their stomach. Oh, man, it it sucks. There are very few areas that I don't ever want to get tattooed. One is the sternum. Mm -hmm. The other is like the throat area. That's not too bad. No? No. Maybe for men. More mm-hmm. like when I got my I throat. have a huge Adam's apple. Yeah, so. that part. I mean, you got to stretch it the other way. But oh, still. yeah. I think yeah, I think it's more the idea, you know? Yeah. Like the, it's not painful, the spots. Really? Yeah. I think your sternum, I mean, for me it wasn't. My sternum was, my stomach was torture. So that poor man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> That's great, though. I think we might be wrapping it up soon. But who are you following right now that you that you follow consistently? Who's changing the game for you? Oh, that's hard. Um, you know, it's really hard. There's so many great artists that I. I but again, I said I, I don't really like to look too closely. I mean, one artist I really admire. His name is Nick, and he's from Greece. His tattoo is Nick Avage, I think. 
you pronounce. Um, he he was also a painter, and he. It's just really cool because you know the way that his tattoo work was, was translated. You know, it's really dark. He does faces and things that are kind of distorted, and I yeah I I love his work. I think it's really really cool because it, it's it, it's like. It, it, yeah, again, again, I talk about this depth that my wife's work had. That's something I'm really attracted to. I like dark, deep tattoos that have um, kind of a somberness to them. You know, and his mm-hmm. has that, but it feels like, you know, there's connections to nature. It's mostly just black and red where they look like demons sometimes, but they're beautiful. Um, and they, he tattooed me and he just, the way that he... He just puts so much attention to detail. I mean, it's a very clean tattooer without being overdone, which was something, you know, it scared me. Even though I'm a portrait um, painter, I, I don't attempt them as tattoos. I mostly do. Really? Yeah, my painting work is much different than my tattoo work. Um, I do much more realistic paintings. Mm. You know, it's just cool to see his were are also, you know, pretty realistic and to see how he translated you know that into portrait tattoo work is very very cool it's funny that you mentioned that because i follow uh this girl from russia her Mm -hmm. name is val tatboo Mm -hmm. and she does a lot of like photo realism painting but she has like seminars of how to go about transitioning from painting portraits to tattooing cool i would have loved that years ago Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And I, and I feel bad because a lot of people get a lot of shit for putting out how they do things because hmm. it's not following the traditional way that we were talking about before. A lot of ego involved right. and stuff like that. But if it makes you better, it makes you better. Right. The information's out there. Where in 2020, you could rebuild a car using YouTube. Exactly. I don't understand why people get so much shit no, for it. We should also just be raising each other up. I mean, we all want to do good tattoos. I mean, it's in everyone's best interest. And I think there's enough people wanting to get tattoos to go around. Yeah, if you do something original and, you know, heartfelt, people respond well, generally, I think. Don't I need to be competitive. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. A lot of people get really... Uh, for lack of a better term, butthurt about. <laughs> it is, yeah, I, I say butthurt too, yeah. yeah. They do <laughs> but get butthurt. They do. And like you said, it's not like the old school way where a tattoo shop opened up down the block and you got to go break their windows because they take the food out of your mouth. Like, <laughs> right. There's enough people today, there's enough to go around that, like you said, you should be raising people up. Like people work hard. Like this yeah. isn't an easy thing to do. And especially the people who teach themselves how to do it, I feel like should have yeah. a greater respect for the people who apprenticed under somebody for two years and they never touched a machine. I mean, right. I understand both sides of it. Yeah. But it's so much harder to like teach yourself. And we're in America, like people value work. Right. I just don't get it. Yeah. I think that there's there's positives to each approach. But, I, you know, I think if you can get yourself there, then, you know, whether it was a two-year apprenticeship where you didn't touch a machine, you're just cleaning, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that got you to where you needed to be, or you just... You know, taught yourself and scribbled all over your legs, <laughs> your friends, and, <laughs> yep. and you know, and you're able to get to a good place that way. I think that's fine. It's just, you know, important that you got there. Yeah. And just keep going. Yeah. Like, obviously, you don't want people to do it the wrong way, but if you could teach them, I mean, I don't know if you ever plan on taking on an apprentice at all. Probably not if you have like something good going on. Yeah. I know show. people ask sometimes, but you know, I think because I just, I, I really just do. You know, my style, which is kind of different, I don't know if I would be qualified to teach someone. You know, I, I just know what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just so many different styles out there that, uh, 
yeah, my my work is just kind of abstract a lot of times, organic, and I I don't know if I would be the best teacher unless they just were looking to do something as specific as that. I mean, it's tough too because it's your reputation that you put out there as well. Yeah. But I believe that you should have some skin in the game and right. pay your dues and all that stuff. So I'm traditional in that way. Mm-hmm. But if someone wants to learn, you shouldn't discourage them. No. Like, not at all. But you get that. Getting back to your, your shop, what's booking like for you? How do you, a lot of guys automate what they do. Do you take walk-ins? Yeah, we don't do any walk-ins. So what we do is um, we generally just open our books like every couple of months. We take requests, book for three months at a time, and then close our books. So we, um, like I said, we have our amazing manager, Danielle, who quilts when our books aren't (laughs) open. And then she just works nonstop once we open our books. Um, But yeah, we we have like a request form online that just um, kind of streamlines that process for Danielle, where she just makes people kind of give the information we need right off the bat. Yeah, and I review projects. Yeah, I go through with her and I review them. Um, Again, like I am pretty selective. I I don't do anything that I'm not 100% comfortable with. Um, I'd rather somebody else do it and they get the the tattoo that they really want than trying to convince them to do it in my style or the Mm -hmm. way I think it should be done. Yeah, we book that way. And then I I like to do consultations if I have any questions. And uh, I don't meet with everyone uh, just because it just, it's a lot of time. Yeah, it's a lot of time. Um, But I I, I do like, because I do all of my designs, my custom designs the day of the appointment. So um, so I like to, I like to create the design together. So I'm not guessing about anything. It flows with their body better that way. You know, it's really just created for them. I can get a feeling from them by talking with them. And um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much our booking process. I like to touch on to a little bit because I want this podcast to be not only for like artists listening to it, but I want it to be for clients too. So what can you recommend clients do in order to make the process of booking with you or, or coming to you a little bit more smoothly? Like what's the perfect client for you? Um, someone who is, you know, clear on what they would like to get, um, or even if it's just clear on the fact that they just want me to just create something for them. Um, but yeah, someone who doesn't have expectations, you know, that are unrealistic and are willing to also listen to the things that I've learned about tattooing after seeing them heal, yeah, just mm-hmm. uh, that, that can be really difficult because people sometimes will just look at things online um, that may not even be actual tattoos or ones that were photoshopped. And it's just like, oh, you know, it's not possible to fit all this detail into something that's like two inches. I have this conversation all the right. time. Or something, you know, that's like, I, I don't know. There's all different all different ways that that, that can be that can be hard. And also someone that is aware of their own limits. Um, you know, sometimes people say, like, oh, I want this huge rib tattoo. Yeah, you know, I have a really high pain threshold and, you know, I can, yeah, I want to sit all day. I can sit for six hours on my ribs. And I'm always like, oh, are you sure? Because that's, that's not a fun day, <laughs> you know? And I, they're like, no, no, yeah, I can do it. And then you get there and like, I just start and like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the mm-hmm. regrets. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think somebody who, yeah, like that, who's flexible, but also, yeah, knows what they want, knows what they're getting into. Yeah. 
it's helpful. That's why I think educating clients is the best thing because it just gets rid of a lot of roadblocks right, right off the bat. And you'd be surprised, like a lot of people still make the same. <laughs> I, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised, you know, you deal with it. They make the same mistakes over and over again. But, yeah. you know, that's the nature of the business. And you kind of take them as they come and try and give them the best tattoo that you could possibly give them. Because right. at the end of the day, that's what you're there for. Right. So is there anything that you're working on right now that you'd want people to know about or want to promote? Um, I'd actually like to know more about your painting. Yeah, I, I am trying to get back into my painting a little bit more. You know, the past couple of years as I was trying to strengthen myself as a tattoo artist and then, you know, we opened our shop a year and a half ago. So, you know, I was really focused on that, that I, I haven't been painting as much and I I do miss it. And I, I think when I paint more, you know, that, that feeds my tattoo work. So I would like to, to paint um, a little bit more and, and bring some of my painting style into my tattoos a little bit more, which I think would be fun. Um, and I have my paintings hanging in the shop and people respond well to them. So I think it, it would be it would be a fun thing to do. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of Spilled Ink. I have Laura Boucher here. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. You could find her at Laura Boucher underscore tattoo yes. on Instagram. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you. I appreciate your time. That concludes this week's episode with Laura Boucher. You can find her on Instagram at Laura Boucher underscore tattoo or visit her website at www.secretfiretattoo.com. Join us next week when we sit down in studio with Dimitri Verona, a.k.a. Mr. Verona, and we talk about how he sought political asylum to the U.S. from a war-torn Ukraine. Like, how did you get the balls to come to New York and, like, make your way? Political asylum. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that war between Ukraine and Russia, which happening right yeah. now. I came here. I figured that if it's going to work out, it's awesome. If not, I can always come back. And the branding efforts he leverages on social media for himself and his upcoming artists. That's the only reason I have my studio, which doesn't take walk-ins, and my apprentices even are busy right now because of the social media. If you know how to do it right, everything is gonna be okay. And if, if you know how to do social media, you can even sell snow to the homeless guy. Spilled Ink is produced by Fulton Street Music Group. Our producers are Cleo Kolitsopoulos and Alex Fulton. Our music is by Cat Blaster. I'm your host, Mike Maldonado. Follow us on Instagram at Spilled Ink Official. 